Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome everybody into the lunar panel, as we call it, the post-game show here on Fox Sports Arizona's Facebook page, the Sun Solar Panel YouTube page, and wherever you listen to podcasts. We're glad to have you along with us. I'm Greg Esposito, your host, Ahoy Hoy, alongside, as always, the Silver Fox, and he's only silver because he finishes second all the time on this show. (laughs) Hey, that's better than third like you. I guess I'm ahead of you. Hey, well, you know. I, I'm the Chris Paul of this team. I do whatever it takes to actually make this thing work. So, oh, and what, am, what am I then? What am I? <laughs> we, we welcome uh, the other book, the uh, Carmel Thunder from down under. That's right. Saul Bookman, the star of the show. Saul, how are you today? Good. How's it going, guys? Good. Hey, good. Outside yeah. of the fact that every Arizona team lost today, uh, it's uh, not so, such a bad day. Yeah. Uh, beat That's LA was not a factual statement today in Arizona. But uh, you know what? Uh, I, honestly, though, when I watched the first half of this game as the Suns fall to the Clippers 112-107, watching this first half of the game, I had PTSD back to the days where I did the post-game radio show for this team and had to explain 30, 40-point losses. But then I remembered, wait, this is not your, uh, well, your son's uh, sons. This is actually Monty Williams, Chris Paul's team here. And they fought back hard in that second half, down 31 in the first half, fell behind in, in large part because of a 23-0 run that the Clippers went on. And uh, Paul George basically scoring everything oh uh, that he could. This was the PG night. Oh, this it was definitely it was just crazy. Night. There's not been a Paul and a George with that many hits and so few misses since the Beatles. All right. Now that's, uh, you know, that, that's just McCartney and, and Harrison were the last time a Paul you know, and George had that. You just rambled that whole intro until you could get to something that good. And then you're just like, okay, now I'll hand it off. No, I just had to make a joke Dave understood because, you know, oh, we usually have to explain oh, that. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. But look, yeah, he's got to, he's got to go at the, he's got to go at us. <laughs> It's not a show if he doesn't go at us. Let's look at this, though. Looking at that first half, obviously a a bit downtrodden. Second half, the Suns storm back. They actually cut the lead uh, to one in that fourth quarter, but cannot pull off the comeback. It would have been the largest comeback in Suns history. They wind up losing by five. What were your overall impressions of this game? Dave, we'll start with you. You know, Robert Christie just put in the chat something that uh, that makes sense to me, and that's what I was thinking as well, which is the good news is it was a winnable game, even with PG going off and making every shot. Nick Batum hitting everything he threw up there, and Luke Kennard having his probably best stretch of the, se- the young season as well for the Clippers. And the Suns still 
got within one point in the second half. Cam Johnson, he made, what, one three all game. Uh, Mikel Bridges didn't make anything. Uh, and the Suns still found a way to get back into that game and almost pull it out. I was I was pretty happy with that with that outcome. Man, just a week ago, the Clippers lost by 50 on a Sunday to the Dallas Mavericks. And now today, I mean, obviously, they're not a 50-point uh, loser team. They're a good team. They're going to be at the top of the Western Conference and one of the top three seeds. And I really think it's a, it's a great sign that the Suns stayed right there and could have won this game anyway. I actually think that the somebody just pointed this out in the chat. It was the two back-to-back threes by Serge Ibaka that I felt like really kind of gave. Uh, oh, Dave, hitting the sauce mm-hmm. early. All right, not uh, early. Really gave uh, the Clippers a, <laughs> a, a little bit more confidence to hold on to that lead, uh, as opposed to just falling apart because they were falling apart. And, uh, and and it wasn't like you know they were playing terribly when the Suns were making their run. It's just the Suns yeah. were playing. Pretty good. I mean, think about how many shots that the Suns missed, from, especially from three-point range. I mean, so Cam man. Johnson, I think, had a straight of six straight misses from three-point range. Mm-hmm. Um, and to his credit, he just kept shooting, which is what he's supposed to do. And I'm totally fine with that. You're going to have those games. I just love the fact that this team bounced back. So, you know, and, and they did it in a, in a way that it didn't feel fluky. Like somebody didn't have to get incredibly hot for them to come back. They just did it as a team. They played hard. They played solid defense. They played better as a team. They stopped turning the ball over. They had 10 turnovers in the first quarter um, and everything kind of settled down. And I think this team just solidified that they are a top four team in the West, despite the fact that they were down by 31. that's, That's my big takeaway. We knew the rubber band was going to snap back on the shooting. They weren't yeah. going to shoot, you know, out of their minds as they had early in the season from deep. They finished ten of thirty-three, thirty uh, percent, a little over thirty percent for the game. But Saul, I think you're completely right. What impressed me was they didn't get back in this game doing anything out of character. They got back in this game by playing the way that they have won all season moving the yeah. ball, sharing that, getting to the basket. And and really, a big part of this comeback came from the center position with both DeAndre Ayton and Dario Saric making hoops down low for this team. And especially in that third quarter, they finished the second quarter and the third quarter on a combined, I believe it was 29-8 to eight run uh, in the, at, to end both of those quarters, which was huge momentum swing, uh, both going into halftime and then going into that fourth quarter. I think they just ran out of energy there. There was a stretch where I believe it was six minutes they didn't hit a field goal in the fourth quarter, and I think they just had to expend so much energy to get back from being down 31 that they just fell a little bit short. But I think you're right, Saul. They proved they can compete with anybody in the West maybe not named the Lakers, but they can they can compete with pretty much anybody. And that's why I'm not too disheartened by a loss to the Clippers. You thought Lakers, Clippers are probably one, two, but then everybody else is in the mix from three on, and the Suns taking care of business against those teams that'll be in that mix and held their own against the Clippers. Here's a question, okay? So I was thinking about this yesterday. The Lakers faced the Heat in the NBA Finals last year. When you compare us to the Heat and what the Heat had from top to bottom, you can't sit there and say that the Suns are so far off the Heat. If anything, you might say that they're a little bit better than the Heat from top to bottom because of their depth. So if the Heat can compete with the Lakers, I think that the the Suns could win a game or two if there was like a seven-game series or something like that. So I don't think it's such a 
foregone conclusion that the Lakers are far and above so much better than the Suns, but they are. I, I think the Suns can do better than win just a game or two. So uh, against the Lakers in a seven game series, I hear what you're saying, Saul. I do think the Suns are better than the Heat, um, but. Look, the Heat play is very similar to the Suns, right? The Heat play with effort. They're a constant movement, constant ball movement, body movement. Uh, what the Suns were not doing when they got down by 31 is moving. They were just standing around and hoping things would fall to them. And I think it's just incredible to, to see that they were able to turn it around mid-game. There you go, transitive property champion. Yes, I did, Ralph. Thank uh, you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, no, I think I, I think the Suns realized and they started playing their game again in the second quarter, and that made a huge difference, um, obviously, on the scoreboard, and, and they came back. It does take a ton of effort to get back um, into, you know, right there with the score. And so just like the same reason Denver couldn't keep it up and and win on Friday is the, is the reason the Suns lost today. You can't get down so far in the first half and hope to make it all the way back and then win out. Yeah, and look, I wasn't I wasn't saying that the Lakers uh you know that the Suns can't compete with the Lakers. I'm simply saying No, no, I don't in, in terms of being a one seed in the West is kind of what I was getting. For sure, for sure. Uh, I will say this too. The Clippers got the doors blasted off of them last week and did not bounce um, back. The Suns had the doors blasted off of them in the first quarter right. and did bounce back. That's a big right. difference between these two teams in my Clippers opinion. Clippers were down 77-27 at halftime and, and they just all, let it happen. And also, I think there's something to this playoff P thing, or as some people call him, pandemic P, where he just goes missing. <laughs> uh, because I think that Paul George, as we saw after that little fisticuff there in the in the, in the middle of the the fourth quarter, um, people can get into his head, and he was shook yeah. for a little while for about the next couple minutes. So, um, you know, hey, I, I, I'm not such a fan of the Clippers in terms of my confidence in them uh, being like one of the better teams in the West consistently. Well, let's let's uh, we can't say what Devin Booker said to, to Paul George uh, on this show, but thank you for the uh, the the Suns and Fox Sports Arizona cameras for picking it up because it was quite entertaining. If you didn't catch it, go back and watch the clip. You can find it's on, it. It's on our Twitter feed. Yeah, you get you can find it on the Fox Sports Arizona Twitter feed. It's funny. You know what they the Suns team can't overcome is. Uh, Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges, and Cam Johnson shooting a combined six of 24 for what is that, 13 uh, yeah. for 21 points. That's what they can't overcome. Uh, they need at least two of those three to have decent games to play. And, and I've been saying it since the beginning of the season. I think this team goes as far as Mikhail uh, Bridges and Cam Johnson shooting can help take them. They didn't shoot well tonight. Suns fell in a big hole, and they fall a little bit short. I think that's a big part of what happened in this game. Another big part of that is D.A. Um, yeah. I think we finally saw a fourth quarter from D.A. where he was aggressive. He attacked the boards, came up with some huge rebounds and putbacks, um, and, and that's when you were like, oh, there it is. You know, there it is. That's what we've been waiting for, you know, and him getting a little hyped up down low in the paint and, and realizing that he, he's starting to figure it out a little bit. If, if you haven't noticed, he's keeping that ball up high. You know, he, he's he's being a little bit more aggressive. He's not second guessing himself as much um, as, as we go along in the season. I think it's only going to get better. Yeah, he definitely kept the ball high for sure. And I, I really like that because he got a lot of a lot of mismatches under the basket because the Clippers were switching everything. And the only little guy out there most of the time was was uh um uh, you got either Patrick Beverly or uh shoot Reggie Jackson. That's it. Otherwise, they're all six seven, six ten guys. I mean, with Nick Batum 
Jesus, when did Nick Batum come back to life? I thought he was not only out of the league. I thought he was dead. He was in Charlotte and you know, you go to die there. So I don't know where he came from. All of a sudden it was like the young Nick Batum made every shot, uh, played good defense, has incredible length out there on the garden, that three point line. The Clippers are a good team. They don't have, I, I, um, I'm waiting for uh, Kawhi Leonard to show his MVP level form uh, for them to actually win in the playoffs and in the finals. That's, that's what they're going to require because none of their other guys have that. I, I don't know how to react to you go to North Carolina to die. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have an uncle that moved there recently. And that just is a little unsettling. Let, this is oh, what you get man. on the lunar panel. Uh, Dave just tells you what states if you're, uh, you, you shouldn't move to is uh, <laughs> what you get here. But look, look, it, hey, look. out. Cheers. This is COVID times, man. Everyone, no matter where you are. <laughs> Look, closing closing out on three-point shooters was a big part of of the fourth quarter problems. Uh, Batum, you had the, the Serge Ibaka shots. Uh, those were the difference makers. Those nine points were really what did the Suns in. And both the Ibaka shots and uh, the Batum shot were fairly wide open. They were nice passes, but it uh, – and – I think it was just the Suns got a little tired, didn't close out the way they had aggressively in terms of, of shooters. And when you're playing a team like the Clippers, and you can debate whether they'll do it in the playoffs or not, but in the regular season, they're one of the elite teams in the West. You just can't have those lapses, especially when you spot them yeah. a 31-point lead. That was the difference here. But, you know, it, this could have been a very different night. Dave, you said before we came on here that we would have been talking a lot of people off the ledge if this had, had played out the way it looked in the first half. And I thought it was going to be a group therapy session, but really it showed you what this team's made of. There's no there's no doubt in my mind. And when you look at it, uh, you know, we talked about DeAndre Ayton finishes with 24 points, eight rebounds of nine on nine of 12 shooting. Uh, he got the line as well, which people were complaining about earlier in the season that he wasn't. Dario Saric, uh, another, uh, you know, impressive game for him at that backup center position, 15 points, four rebounds on six of nine shooting. It was the little things from those guys that really – really helped him and was very impressed by the effort. You got to wonder what, uh, what Monty Williams said at halftime, because they came out a, a different team in that second half. Well, we don't know what he said at halftime, but we know what he said after the game. So we'll go ahead and run that. Our team is, is resilient. They fight. Um, all the stuff that, you know, city like ours can be proud of. And then when it came down the stretch, I thought the two threes that, that Serge hit uh, really put us in a bit of a bind. You know, he, I don't think he had scored until that point. And then he hit two big threes. And we still had a chance um, to tie it up, got a decent look off, um, but just didn't work out for us. But I, I just love the way we, we, we scrap and battle. And um, we know we can beat that team because we've done it before. We just got to get off to a better start than we did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, just it, don't it's get down simple. by thirty-one. <laughs> Basically, let's see what happens. You yeah. know, and and Devin Booker's free throw shooting has Some continued to be befuddling. He was one of three again uh, tonight. He's yeah. just he struggled early on in the season, and the the little 
thing, the little things just, they add up sometimes. And, and tonight that was the case. They only shoot, well, only shoot. I wish, I wish we could say only they shot 82% from the free throw line. Yeah. Missed a, it wasn't missed as bad as it seemed. Throw. It really seemed a lot worse. No, than, I, uh, you know, 23 of 28 from the line. It feels like all the important free throws, they were splitting them. And they, they won, they won the battle to get to the line too. They had 28 free throws to the Clippers 19, which is, is something you want to see as well. Uh, yeah. Hate Bailey Lions. Yeah, this is hey. Yep. Thank you exactly. for calling Espo out. Exactly. You're the reason the Suns lost Espo. Yeah. He flipped it over. For those listening on the podcast, Bailey says uh, one of her flame ballers is hate asp at Espo for pointing out Monty's mask situation. Didn't didn't think anything of it. Now it's all I think about. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. It's been driving me nuts. So hey, so back to Booker for a second. Yes, he missed a couple of what looked like uh, more free throws, right? But he was ten of twelve from the free throw line. He had eight assists to only two turnovers tonight. I think we need to give Book some credit, and he had only two personal fouls. One of those he also he very, also had a big one. Two phenomenal blockouts. Um, yes. uh, against Biggs yeah. uh, down low on the block that yeah. saved a couple rebounds and gave the Suns an opportunity to keep their yeah. run going, which I thought those are the small things that people don't yeah. see on box scores because he didn't even get those two rebounds, but he, uh, because of his block blocking out, he was able to free up his teammates to get those rebounds. Correct. And I, miss, sure. I, I misspoke. I said he was one of three from uh, from free throws. He was one of three from behind the arc, 10 wow. of 12 from free Different throws. Miss, you got to miss your back score clearly. So, Yes, so I was looking was looking at the wrong column because I am reading a very very tiny screen. Uh, obviously, Espo had one of these earlier, and it's now hitting him. <laughs> no, I just have old man eyes and can't read it uh, off the screen that I'm looking at. So, so know, Booker the- was a plus fourteen in this game. Look at this, plus fourteen in this game in forty five minutes. It's only a forty eight minute game. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, he, right? played, he played a lot. They were minus twenty one in the three minutes he sat. Yes, because the Clippers went on that 23-0 run. Well, and the thing, Damn. Booker Booker took it over in that fourth. I mean, you knew he noticed, wow. okay, guys are starting to drag a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to take it on. I'm going to turn it on. And he got to the basket at, at will there for a while in that fourth and and that's what you want to see. It's the maturation <laughs> process of Devin Booker. I think it was Eddie EJ Eddie Johnson on the broadcast saying that's how you know this guy's becoming a true star because he's he's not forcing it he's he, he's turning it on when he needs to and recognizing those situations he did that tonight and he's still not where he's going to be you know he's no. we he's still not really he hasn't hit his offensive stride in the season in my opinion he hasn't had that game where you just where you just know almost every shot's going in you know he hasn't had the Paul George game let's just say it like that where Paul George just threw up everything tonight and it went in um he hasn't had that game and he's still averaging over 25 like the dude is just the best mm-hmm. player on the team hands down um and just one of the best players in the NBA it's not even close well, and one thing we didn't we haven't talked about yet that I think actually wound up being a bit of a factor was uh Chris Paul takes that charge on Paul George. Paul George decides to do the cup check on him, the, the not of the Mitch variety, but of the other variety. And Paul George has to go to the locker room uh, at that point. I 
I don't know why. I don't. I, I don't particularly want to know why. But he looked like he was in pain and he was well, grabbing a region. You can't you can. tell by the way he walks. He always walks like he just got hit in the nuts. <laughs> well, <laughs> he, he, I was trying to put that delicate. To, yeah, <laughs> the day of you just be like, oh, I'm gonna just say it like it is. This is a late uh, night show, man. We no, <laughs> man. It's, but it's not R-rated. Jeez, man. Come on. You could have said that. R-rated now. Uh, <laughs> He got hit in the nether regions, went to the locker room, yeah. was off. He got hit in the down below. Yeah. He kids already. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it, it amounted to off the court for about four minutes, uh, and uh, I think that also cost them. That was part of their their dry spell that they had as well. So, uh, a lot of factors that go into this. Biggest takeaway for each of you from tonight's game: the one twelve one oh seven loss to the Clippers. Uh, my biggest takeaway is that the Suns are are one of the best teams in the NBA. That's my biggest takeaway. Um, I think they can compete with anybody, and on any given night they can win. I think that from from top to bottom, they have more depth than I would say at least ninety percent of the league. Uh, just you know, I, I, that's what I'm impressed with the most. That comeback doesn't happen unless you have depth, because you can't just rely on Devin Booker or Chris Paul or DeAndre Ayton or whoever you want to say. Um, it's it's a team effort. Jay Crowder hit a couple big threes, uh, you know, and even though Cam Johnson didn't hit, um, he hit a bucket every now and then to kind of, you know, keep the, the Clippers honest and uh, Mikhail Bridges defensively. Like, I just think that this team is just they're fun to watch. You don't lose complete confidence in them. And uh, and I just yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch this team play. Dave, before we get to your takeaway, I gotta, I gotta bring up a few of the comments from yeah. the, the chat. Blaze Megatron says he got hit in his caramel thunder uh, down under. <laughs> I, I would and agree. Then you do the buck dog one. Buck dog <laughs> says he got hit in the stimmy, which is a a flashback to Saturday's show. Uh, so thank you, gentlemen, uh, for putting it more delicately. Uh, so yeah. Yes, uh, Dave, what was your biggest takeaway tonight? <laughs> uh, my biggest takeaway is that uh, the team did not let up. The, the, the team let up in the first quarter. They were standing around. They were flat-footed. They were straight-legged. They weren't going after anything. They got themselves down by 31 points, and then they didn't let the rest of the game go. They actually came all the way back, and they fought, and they didn't have to make 10 straight threes. They didn't have to do all that, all the you know the pretty stuff really well. They just slogged it out. And they fought and they fought and they fought and they fought and they got back within one. And, and then it, all of a sudden it was Serge Ibaka deciding he's a three-point. He is a good three-point shooter these days, but he hadn't taken a shot most of the game. And then all of a sudden he hits back-to-back ones. That shit happens. And then, Paul, excuse me, that stuff happens. Oh, man. <laughs> and then Paul George just you know made a couple of more shots and, you know what? We're just gonna cancel Dave for the rest of the day. You know, maybe we get every time he curses, we just put him in like a five second timeout and Dave then bring Bell- him back to make sure oh, that he's geez. you know, you know, kind of recalibrated. <laughs> oh my god! That's our new swear jar is like a penalty box. We're going half hockey here. Uh, I lose a percent of the, was of a- the zero dollar revenue for every time I do that. Yeah. Dave, can we put him back in the penalty box for that as well? (laughs) Uh, Look, my my takeaway, Mike Tyson has a great quote that he says, everybody has a plan to get punched in the mouth, right? The Suns got punched in the mouth hard in that first quarter, and they didn't go away from their plan. And their plan got them back in this game, and it it should give them the confidence that 
play your game, play within your strengths and things will be all right this season. And that's what I like to see because this could have been the kind of thing that shakes confidence. I think it was the kind of loss that last year's team would have absorbed and gone on a, a five game losing streak and it would have shook them. Not this year. This is not the way this team is gonna gonna react, and they still sit at five and two uh, after that game. So it, it is. Uh, I I just don't foresee any issue out of it. That's what I liked about it. So we're gonna shift gears a little bit here and talk about the other major story that happened this weekend from the Suns, and it was the passing of Suns legend Paul Westfall, Ring of Honor member, uh, the only one of the only people involved in both the 1976 championship, uh, or not championship, cha- Western Conference championship and finals run, as well as the 92-93 Western Conference championship and finals run. Uh, he was player, obviously, with those Cinderella Suns teams, with the Purple Gang from Phoenix, who was the head coach. He passed away on Saturday due to his battle with brain cancer. Uh, I got to tell you, I... I have a couple of Paul Westfall stories uh, I'll share. And the first one was actually from when I was a kid. Uh, Paul and I shared a birthday, obviously years, uh, years difference, but we both were born on November 30th. And, and as a kid, you gravitate to those little things that, that you have in common with, with people that, that you look up to. And I remember in, in 92, uh, that 92, 93 season, I sent a letter to Paul Westfall, and the sons and, and just saying to Paul, Hey, we share a birthday. I love basketball, yada, yada, you know, the things kids write. And I never really expected a response. Well, I got a, a nice letter and an autographed uh, basketball card back from, uh, from Paul Westfall. And that struck me, you know, as he didn't have to do anything. And he took the time to, to actually do that. And that was kind of my first experience with him. And obviously, you know, we all saw uh, those great moments with him. Uh, I, I didn't see a, a lot as a player because I, I was too young. Dave can speak to that a little bit more. I don't mean that rudely. I just mean you. No, he was before my time too. I'm sad to oh, say. Okay. Well, uh, so, uh, so, and uh, you know, we all saw that the, the guarantee, all those things, but then, I got a chance to actually interview him while working with the team for a a kind of a mini audio documentary that we did on that guarantee. And, you know, I spent a good 10 minutes talking with him and, you know, you always hear, Oh, these guys are really great, you know, but Paul, uh, Paul Westfall had a way of kind of making you feel like you were a friend with him, even if you had just met him. He just had this calming presence about him. And I remember asking him, well, you know, did you did you have any of that guarantee speech kind of planned out in your head before you go in that press conference? And he just starts laughing. He goes, Greg, I didn't have that plan because I expected to win game two. You know, and it just, but it was just like this really genuine moment. And I won't forget that Paul, Paul Westfall had a way of just making you feel like you actually knew him, whether you did or didn't. And, uh, and that I found that to be quite impressive. Uh, Dave, do you have any, any particular memories of Paul Westfall as well? 
Yeah, I think it's gonna. It might come up in the tribute video. I'm not really sure, but I absolutely loved him talking through the uh, Barkley off the backboard for the win play that he actually designed in the timeout. It looked like a broken play. He had Oliver Miller throw it from midcourt off the backboard. Had said Zabalos fake the catch and like not touch the ball. And then the ball went off the backboard and Barkley caught it on the rebound and put it in. And I love how the last line of the video is there's like two minutes, him describing this, this play draw drawn up. And the last line of it was that's the only play Charles ever ran, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the crazy thing about that is he knew the rule. Everybody else is like, well, once yeah. he hits the backboard, this game's over. It was a, a game against Portland late in that 92, 93 year. And Paul goes, no, the rule says until somebody touches the ball, the clock does not start. So said, fake it. Do not touch the ball. Charles will catch it and he'll shoot it. And, and he did, and he made it and they win this mm -hmm. crazy game. And I, I talked to Chuck about it. And, and I remember him talking about how his mind was blown that Paul knew that. And in 76, he did a similar thing in the finals in that triple overtime game, the shot heard around the world. Westfall goes, if we call a timeout here, uh, it'll, you know, we don't have a timeout, but it'll, it'll give them uh, the, it'll give the Celtics a technical shot, but it'll allow us to advance the ball take a shot, right. to, to be able to take a shot. Yeah. So without that, we never get one of the greatest shots in NBA history with Garhurd hitting that shot heard around the world. Paul Westfall was such a cerebral player to go along with it, with his God-given talent that it made it truly special. And it's why it made that transition to coaching so natural for him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, go ahead. Saul, please. I, I never, you know, I never, I never met him. Um, unfortunately, uh, he was one of those, uh, he's one of those revered sons uh, legends that that just happened to slip through the cracks, and I never got to meet him. Uh, but uh, for whatever everybody's told me, it, the one thing that is always stuck out is that he's just a genuine person and a gentleman. Um, and I, I, I don't, and I think all these tributes. Uh, you know, I know Tom Leander is very close to him and, um, you know, that's, that's the one thing that keeps getting echoed is, is that he's just a very, uh, good human being. And I think when you come across those types of people in life, um, you don't forget them because it, it's so, it, it, it's because of the way they carry themselves. They set themselves apart, you know, like in sports, you know, who the, the phenomenal athletes are from the regular athletes, right? You got your LeBrons and your Jordans. And I think in life, you, you also have those types of people that have that impact and can separate themselves from everybody else. They don't fall into what I call the BS of everyday life. Uh, they have a certain perspective on how to carry themselves and how they want to influence others. And they go about doing that in a very efficient way. And uh, I think Paul Westfall was definitely one of those people. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that he's gone, but you know, he, he again, when you, when you, when you go, you want to know that you left something behind, right? You had an impact in this very short time on this earth. And he definitely did that for uh, thousands of people. Yeah. And including his family, a, a big time family man. Uh, and there's just not enough that you can say about Paul Westfall and his impact. And that's why we have a tribute video that Fox Sports Arizona put together that we'd like to show you now. There's no ultimate victory in sports. My parents taught me that when they taught me about the true nature of life. 
In fact, my mother thought I was, when she, she often thought this, that I was acting too big for my britches, and uh, she'd go to one of my games and root for the other team. And <laughs> that really happened a lot. <laughs> I, I eventually got the message that uh, real life and, and our eternal destiny, it, it's much more important than basketball. I know the next question is, are you guys dead? No, we're going to win the series. Because we're a better team than the Lakers and we will win. I know I'm not larger than life. Uh, one person congratulating me for being selected said, hey, now you're immortal. No. <laughs> Immortality doesn't come from basketball. And you know... I I agree with what he says, but he'll never be forgotten because of basketball, but the person he was around the game as well. Mm -hmm. Basketball opened that door for, for us to get to know him, but the fact that he was such a good human being is why many of us won't forget him. You know, Tom Leander, as you brought up, uh, Saul, watched Paul on the court, and, and he talked about it on Suns Live tonight about how how important Paul Westfall was to him becoming a fan of basketball and a Suns fan but then he got to know Paul as well and put together one of my favorite sports documentaries on that Cinderella Suns team and if you guys get a chance to watch that you get to hear from Paul and all those guys that that played with him in in that 75-76 season and You'll get a real understanding for Paul Westfall, the player, or if you get a, a chance to read Joe Gilmartin's book, uh, the the little team that could and darn near did, uh, another great book where you get to learn about Paul, uh, or another great way you can learn about Paul Westfall, the player and his impact on turning this into what I still believe is a is a Phoenix Suns town. So, uh, you know, thank you to Fox Sports Arizona for putting together that uh, that great tribute video. I think later this week on our podcast feed, I may also uh, put up a, an old podcast that I did with John Bloom of the Suns, where we actually did it, that audio kind of look back at uh, that guarantee that Paul Westfall had with clips from Paul Westfall, Barkley, Marley, Chambers. There's a bunch of guys in there that I think you guys would find interesting as well. So. There's also a, a big tribute that the Suns production team put together. Um, you can find it on our Facebook page or our, on Twitter and Facebook. And the Suns actually also put it on their their pages as well. So you can take a look. It's a far longer one. It talks about mm. the timeout that you guys mentioned and talking about the guarantee. Um, and also talks about the Hall of Fame. And, you know, again, Paul Westfall is just one of those people, man, that, uh, you know, I, it, w hearing the news yesterday, you know, it, it, it's, unfortunately, it, it wasn't too shocking, but it still it still hits you because of yeah. how much of an impact he had to so many other people. Um, which in result, you know, in, impacts you. And um, I just, I just think it's one of those things that, you know, you, you got to respect what he did. You got to understand who he is and you got to learn about him. And because he's, he obviously affected a lot of people and you want to know why. And I think once you understand why you come to appreciate him a lot more.
Yeah. Yeah. No, he's like one of the nicest guys that you'd ever meet. And really the Suns franchise has had a lot of the nicest guys you'd ever meet uh, people uh, associated with the franchise. You've got Steve Nash, you've got Cotton Fitzsimmons, you've got um, obviously Paul Westfall, Jeff Hornacek, guys like that. I know I'm missing some, um, but you know, Monty Williams also, he went and saw Paul Westfall recently and uh, they, they shared the Suns shared, uh, some feedback from Paul Westfall's wife that Monty went out of his way to give a care package to her uh, to for, you know, how to deal with all this and, and help with that. Cause Monty's dealt with loss himself too. And uh, that's real genuine for Monty to, to go and do that and not just to do the, you know, the token handshake to a guy he's never met before, but actually spend some time with Paul Westfall and his wife and, and really get to know them a little bit before he passed. Um, I'm, I'm just proud to be a fan of this franchise because of such nice people that are associated with it, including Paul Westfall. Agreed. Uh, so rest in peace, Paul. Alvin and Adams is another incredibly nice guy. Yeah. Agreed. And condolences to the Westfall family. We all feel for you. Uh, there's no easy way to transition from that, so I'm not even going to uh, attempt to, but we've got a, a few days of rest for this Phoenix Suns team. Well-earned after uh, the stretch of uh, games that they've just gone through and a, a tough loss uh, this evening. But when we look forward to the schedule, we've got the Raptors coming up on Wednesday in Phoenix, a seven o'clock tip on Fox sports, Arizona. And, you know, the Raptors have disappointed. They're one and four so far. They seem like a, uh, a team reeling and trying to find what their identity is, right now and the, the suns if there were ever a bounce back uh, opportunity after a tough loss you've got that raptors game wednesday and then followed up with uh, a one in five team in the detroit pistons in detroit on friday the return of josh jackson well no it's not here it's in detroit so oh shoot they'll be, they'll be seeing josh jackson 5 p.m tip time on fox sports arizona when you look at that gentlemen uh, do you feel pretty confident that when we talk again on Saturday morning that this team will be sitting at seven and two? Mm, I'm going to go six and three. I, for some reason, look, the Suns have played some tough opponents from all the way from preseason through the regular season because they had two each against the Jazz and the Lakers preseason, and they haven't had a uh, you know an easy quote unquote easy game yet. So I am a little worried about that Pistons game. Um, actually more so than the Raptors game. So I, I'd say they split them. I say they split them. You think they're going to lose to Detroit in Detroit? I don't know. I mean, the, look, teams have bad nights. I mean, shoot, Portland just lost to Golden State tonight. Yeah, it took 62 from Steph, but, I mean, Portland was <laughs> trying to look good. I mean, who's going to drop 62 off from the Pistons? <laughs> no, I'm just saying things can happen. And, and yes, I'm very impressed with how the Suns came back tonight after coming out flat and that should say, but every team loses some easy games. That's all I, I I'm going to predict six and three. I'm just going to go ahead and say any team that has Josh Jackson on it isn't winning anything. So they're not going to win against the Suns, And I think that they could win two in a row. Um, I I'm 75% confident. They will, you never know in the NBA, you know, to your point, you never know. So I don't like to guarantee, but I, I feel fairly confident that they will be seven and two. In honor of Paul Westfall, I will guarantee uh, 2-0. They're going to win on Wednesday. Friday. They're going to win on Friday. 
And everybody will say what a great two-game stretch it was. No, I don't think anybody's going to say that after being a one and four and a one and five team. Okay, but look, look, you you've got a pencil. How does Dave forget? You got a pencil Friday in as Langston Galloway revenge night. That's Detroit, true. That's right? true. The Langston game. Langston's That's another guy have, who missed his shots tonight, too. By the way, Langston's yeah. going to have twenty-four points in two minutes in Detroit. And but, really, now that I think about it, Josh is not going to go off on the Suns. Josh is going to take twenty shots, and he's going to make about four of them. Josh isn't even going to play twenty minutes. What are you talking about? Oh well, yeah, he's starting for them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, he's not here. doing too bad. He's not and, doing too bad. He's. He. I. I can't wait to see him on Friday. I just. David. Dave knows that they're starting Josh Jackson and still says yeah. the Detroit Pistons are going to beat the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, okay. The Pistons beat the Suns last year, too. With Derek Rose is still on that team. Somehow he's going to go for 35. Uh, hold Stuff on. happens. I should not have said that because I feel a Saturday morning uh, video yeah. video coming up making fun of uh, me for saying that to Dave this evening. This I just is- this is true, Herbie. By the way, it's like I I'm in I'm Ross and Friends, and I've gotten tanned eight times in the front of my face just so I can have some color back. Yeah, Herbie, 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 one of our flaming followers, says as the as the season progresses, uh, Saul's color gets better and better. So. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, maybe a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, I I just I don't. Uh, and I don't care. Uh, maybe I can regret this if if need be, but uh, I think this Suns team is a much in a much better headspace than last year's team. They're not yeah. going to overlook anybody. They're going to go in and they're going to take care uh, of business. And even on a night like tonight, where they struggle shooting uh, in in some respects, uh, even early on, they still close a giant gap. I just I have a, a great deal of faith that they'll pull off these two games against Detroit and the Raptors coming up this week. Yeah. Well, I mean, apparently we have a lot of Josh Jackson fans in the, in the chat right now. So no, we, we have a a lot of, we have a a lot of PTSD. I haven't watched the Pistons game since they were in the NBA finals. Like why would I take the time to watch the Pistons now? We we have expect the worst Suns fans is what we have. And and (laughs) just like me, we're thinking it's going to go bad this week. Ever, did any of you watch the old uh, Mad TV show? It was like a knockoff Saturday Night Live uh, that Fox used to have. Well, it was a they had knock this uh, they had this Night fake they had this. It was fake, Friday, wasn't it? I don't. It was Friday remember. Night. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, they had a sketch that was a dating service called Lowered Expectations, right? <laughs> uh, and that's what I think everybody has with Jax Jackson. Yeah. They're like he's playing well, and it's like. He's not, uh, you know, he's, <laughs> Fabio. <laughs> he's not wetting his shorts, so he's playing well. Uh, Fabio in the chat says Josh Jackson has some history of not showing up to Suns events. So uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. think I don't think James Jones will be buying the Detroit Piston. Wouldn't fans. that be great if he carried some six packs of beer around to the st- <laughs> fans? <in> the st- <laughs> Blaze, my man, saying Josh Jackson going to drop forty. LOL. Yeah, forty shots maybe. They'll drop. He'll drop forty. The rest of the Pistons will have twenty-five. They'll win one hundred four sixty-five. Oh, I, I'm all right with that. Man. You know, like let's. Jinx. Come on. All dude. right. God, all right. Dude. you ye of little faith. You guys, yeah. <laughs> you guys just want to just look at this and go. You know what? I've been beaten down far too much by by being an Arizona not sports fan. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that is probably a good place to wrap up this lunar panel post game show <laughs> on a night where the Clippers beat the Suns one twelve. 107. Uh, thank you to the, our friends at Fox Sports Arizona for the highlights and the wonderful Paul Westfall yeah. tribute video. Thank you to all the flaming ballers in the chat joining us for this not quite as late post post game show as the last time we did this, but late enough on a Sunday night. We appreciate you guys being with us as always. Just a reminder hit join on the uh, on the YouTube yeah. page, become a member of the Flaming Ballers. Also hit that like button on the Fox Sports Arizona Facebook page. And if you are listening and on the, the podcast, up, please give us a five-star review. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to read it. And I actually want to read a comment. It came from Facebook. It wasn't a five-star review, but I'll treat it. As if it was one. Uh, Net Speed said, "Look, I'm a Clips fan in Philly, but you, which I don't know how you become a Clippers fan in Philly, <laughs> but I'm not even going to get in that. But you guys have been uh, uploading really great content. Found you guys because no one would do an Insta reaction to the Suns in the bubble except for you guys. The way you guys talk about the game is refreshing. So thank you so much for listening. That is what I'm going to call a five star review. So please leave those if you are uh, listening." via podcast so for the silver fox uh, dave king that you can find on twitter at dave king nba the nba is there because well he he finished his <laughs> second place and he needs to up his ego somehow uh for the carmel thunder Dude, down under Saul underscore bookman the underscore is there because well the lighting on Saul the bookman doesn't want to have anything to do with it so it it has to have that space between see how that changed in 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 one he day lost. see how that changed in one day yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm oh, at yeah, so. on Twitter. You can find and that's all that matters at Sun Solar Panel uh, <laughs> as well. Make sure to follow all the Fox Sports Arizona uh, social channels for all the great content that you can find throughout the week, not just about the Suns, but about anything in Arizona sports. So for Dave, for Saul, I'm Greg Esposito. Thanks for listening to the Sun Solar Panel here on YouTube and Facebook. We'll talk to you next time. Ahoy, hoy.